0: It is so rare for a performer to come along that seems to have it all. The look, the ability and the charisma. And it is incredibly disappointing when one of those performers isn't recognised. Sean O'Hare is a prime example of this frustrating phenomenon. He was a wrestler who had an incredible look, the in-ring ability and a magnetism that could have drawn fans. In WWE, he was given a gimmick that promised so much. The Devil's advocate character was exciting, fresh and edgy. But in the end, they threw it all away. Sean O'Hare got his start in WCW at the Power Plant. The Power Plant was WCW's training facility. The trainers there put an emphasis on physical appearance over, you know, actually teaching people how to wrestle. And so, the power plant produced almost no actual superstars, with Goldberg being one of the only exceptions. For many years, the company didn't want any new superstars. The likes of Hollywood Hogan, Kevin Nash, Sting and Ric Flair held down the main event scene, and the upper mid-card was full of talented, frustrated young wrestlers. The dying days of WCW were very dark indeed. Fans watched on as the show went off the rails in 1999. Vince Russo was brought in to try and turn the company around, but he only made things worse. He introduced nonsensical storylines and awful gimmicks. Car Crash TV was Russo's MO and it was hard to watch. Russo gets a lot of the blame for killing the company and rightly so, but a few of his ideas were actually decent. He recognised that the company needed an injection of fresh new talent. He saw how the old guard were holding the young guys down and he tried to change that. As was so often the case with Vince Russo, his heart was in the right place, but he absolutely sucked when it came to implementing his own ideas. Take the main event scene, for example. Here, he created two different factions, the Millionaires Club with its established superstars and the new blood, consisting of emerging talents. The concept aimed to create new stars by having them feud with the legends and putting them in matches against each other on pay-per-view. It was a good idea in principle, but Russo totally failed in the execution. He booked the young underdogs as the bad guys and the millionaire legends as the baby faces. But despite the storyline's failure, it did give tons of screen time to various fresh new wrestlers, who were collectively known as the natural born thrillers. Vince Russo called these seven men up from the power plant and they were thrust onto television. The likes of Sean Stasiak and Johnny the Bull had some experience already. Stasiak had been in the WWF for a few months in 1999, but it was Chuck Palumbo, Mark Jindrak, and Sean O'Hare that stood out from the crowd. For Sean O'Hare, the power plant had been a walk in the park. The facility had a reputation for trying to break young men and women rather than training them, with head coach Sarge running the place like an army boot camp. But O'Hare had already attended a military academy in his youth and later he competed in tough man competitions. In his hometown of Hilton Head in South Carolina, he became involved in petty crime and was known to the local police. In fact, he was known to police up and down the country as he would frequently get into drunken bar fights. He was arrested on at least four separate occasions for his violent conduct. And so, the power plant didn't faze him one bit and he quickly became the favourite of Paul Orndorff, who was one of the coaches there. Orndorff loved O'Hare's attitude. Along with his look and legitimate fighting background, he saw massive potential in the rookie. O'Hare looked every inch the superstar when he debuted on Nitro in June 2000. And before long, he was a tag team champion, a title he held on three separate occasions. While he was still clearly very green when it came to his in-ring skills, there were flashes of brilliance in his move set. For a man that stood six foot four inches and was pure muscle, his Swanton Bomb was a thing of beauty. In fact, his entire repertoire featured moves you would expect to see from a cruiserweight he was like nothing else ever seen before in a WCW ring. Certainly, in the dying days of WCW, the likes of Sean O'Hare, Mark Jindrak, and Chuck Palumbo showed that there could have been a promising future for the business, but it was too little, too late. If only WCW had started pushing younger talent sooner, then the company might have been saved, but it wasn't to be. In the end, the WWF would purchase the carcass of WCW and eventually they'd liquidate it. But before that, Eric Bischoff tried to buy it himself. He even had a deal on the table in 2001. If Bischoff and his company had bought WCW, then the landscape of the wrestling business would have been very different indeed. He wanted to base the company out of Las Vegas from a state-of-the-art venue. He wanted to sell the product to new markets worldwide and he wanted to promote a select few exceptional young new wrestlers. Among them, Sean O'Hare would be number one. Bischoff recognised O'Hare's huge upside and he was going to give him a Goldberg-sized push from day one. In the end, Bischoff's deal fell through. The WWF bought WCW in March 2001 And with it, O'Hare's contract. On screen, he debuted as part of the invading WCW-ECW alliance. They kept him in his tag team alongside Chuck Palumbo. But like so many of the wrestlers that were involved in the invasion storyline, especially on the WCW side, they kind of got lost in the shuffle. There was no way for O'Hare to shine in the WWF of 2001 and as great as the tag team was, he needed to stand out on his own. O'Hare disappeared from WWF TV in November 2001 and rumours started to circulate about his attitude backstage. He allegedly disrespected Triple H during an altercation and allegedly showed up at a live event drunk and almost seriously injured Crash Holly. But the WWF didn't give up on him entirely. They sent him down to OVW, which was the company's developmental division at the time, where they tried to instill a sense of discipline into him. It was clear that the bosses in WWE could see huge potential in him, And it's easy to see why. O'Hare was everything that Vince McMahon looked for in a real superstar. He had the height, the look and, as we were about to find out, the believability. At the start of 2003, vignettes began appearing on WWE TV. O'Hare had a whole new look. He stood against a white background and spoke directly to the camera He encouraged the viewers at home to take drugs, to commit fraud, to cheat on their partners. He told the viewer not to worry about repenting for their sins because they didn't have to go to church anymore. Now, Sean O'Hare was the devil's advocate. He was the voice in your ear, the devil on your shoulder, telling you it was okay to do anything that you wanted to do. He signed off each of the vignettes with this line. I'm not telling you anything that you don't already know. He was such an interesting character that was nothing like any other heel persona we'd ever seen before. Here, the bad guy wasn't just ruining the lives of other wrestlers, he was reaching out to the fans at home to try and ruin their lives too. And even though we'd seen Sean O'Hare before, he was really believable in this role. There was a lot of excitement around him as he started appearing backstage on SmackDown, where he convinced Brian Kendrick to streak naked through the arena, and then he convinced Dawn Marie to flash the crowd. It felt like the character was picking up momentum, and fans were excited to see where all of this was going to go. But unfortunately, we'd never find out how the character was going to translate inside the ring and as a part of storylines because WWE ended up pulling the plug on the gimmick. While O'Hare played the role to perfection during pre-recorded segments, he really struggled while cutting promos in front of a live crowd. For the gimmick to work, there was really no way to avoid him doing promo work and in the land of the WWE, promos make superstars. So instead, they changed direction and decided to pair O'Hare up with a returning Roddy Piper. Piper did the majority of the talking for him. O'Hare did go on an undefeated streak, gaining victories over the likes of Rikishi, Chris Benoit and Eddie Guerrero and even Hawk Hogan by Count eight. Sadly, this would be the peak of Sean O'Hare's career. Roddy Piper was released from his contract in June 2003, causing O'Hare to slide down the card. Before long, he was only appearing on velocity. And then O'Hare was involved in a motorcycle accident, with the injuries keeping him out of action for several weeks. Frustratingly, he was sent back down to OVW after he'd healed up. In the end, O'Hare was released from his contract. Reportedly, it was a mutual decision. After his WWE career, O'Hare briefly wrestled on the indie circuit and appeared in New Japan for a match. It was during his visit to Japan that he realised how jaded he was with the wrestling business and he decided to call it quits. Instead, he switched to kickboxing and MMA over the next few years but with limited success. He fought for Pride and K1, where he won four of his matches and lost another two. O'Hare's kickboxing career was even less successful, where he went on a losing streak. It did seem like he might have been on the brink of a WWE return when he wrestled a couple of dark matches, but in the end they decided not to rehire him. A couple of years later, O'Hare got into a bar fight where he was beaten to within an inch of his life. He suffered extensive injuries including fractures to his face and skull. As a result, he had to get his face reconstructed with titanium and the whole ordeal left him with partial blindness in his left eye. He would be re-arrested multiple times over the next few years while he descended into alcohol and drug addiction. WWE paid for his rehab on six separate occasions over the next six years, but O'Hare was overcome with depression, compounded by his substance abuse. In the end, the darkness caught up with him and he committed suicide. Like for so many performers in the industry, wrestling seemed to be Sean O'Hare's purpose in life. Those few years of the business mostly kept him on the straight and narrow, And Sean O'Hare had a lot to give back to the wrestling business. He had so much potential that was never realised.